0: CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for Your Money and Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don Cash and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement here on Your Money and Your Life. We're always happy to have you guys join us as we find some pretty good and interesting topics, I think, to talk about every couple of weeks here on the show. And no difference this time. We've got a good show lined up. We're going to talk about the pandemic, the housing market, and some senior living. But before we get into all that, let's say hi to Don. What's going on, my friend? How are you?
1: Mark, doing well. How are you? What's going doing on pretty with good. Uh, your neck of the woods?
0: Uh, pretty good. Spring, man. <laughs> Gotta love the flowers. Spring and the flowers are happening. Uh, so is pollen, but that's okay. We'll take it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm loving it too. This is my favorite time of year. got April showers. You know what they say about that? And uh kids have their full sports schedule oh, set up, nice. you know, with track. And that's what they both do track and field. So right, it's also nice, you know, when the sun sets mark at like eight o'clock mm-hmm. at night and it's early, like uh or it's light early in the morning when you're getting up like six <laughs> 30 right. o'clock. Right. Uh, so it's a, I guess it's where we are and where you are too. It's our reward for a cold, dark winter, right? You appreciate the the nice spring weather, even more than, uh, The people who live down south.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we've had some great uh, weather here the last 10, 12 days. Uh, Nothing but pure sunshine, pushing 80, you know, and then in the upper 50s, mid 50s at night, the flowers are all popping, did some planting and stuff. So, yeah, it's a wonderful time of the year for sure. Uh, Aside from the pollen, which if you got allergies, you know, that's uh, that's always fun, which I definitely deal with. But As I mentioned, Don, we're going to talk a little bit about an interesting topic, an interesting article. Uh, As I mentioned, the pandemic, the red hot housing market and senior living. I read this article about senior living communities struggling financially over the past year due to COVID. Makes sense, I guess. Particularly uh, continuing care retirement communities. I guess they're called CCRCs. And so I know you have many clients who have decided to live in these types of communities over the years. What are you hearing from them and, and what should people think about? Uh, as an option, I guess, in the future, when if you're you know, kind of planning on moving into one of these places?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great question, Mark, um, particularly with what's going on over the past year or so. So over the past 20, 25 years or so, I've had many clients mm-hmm. move from their primary residence into some type of a retirement community. And, it, and this year in particular, it's been uh, difficult for many of those people. Sure. So, but let's you know, first define what these continuing care Retirement communities are these CCRCs. So okay. there's basically like three levels of care in these things. Mark, we've got the independent care section or the independent living section. I okay. should say, right? Uh, the assisted living, area. need a little bit of help. Need a little help. Okay, need a little help. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with memory loss in particular, right? Uh, and then there's the nursing facility care section. It's all in one community, right? As opposed to a standalone nursing home or a standalone assisted living facility correct and often there are several hundred residents inside a community setting and most of these are like gated type communities many are organized as nonprofits and have a like a religious or fraternal affiliation mm-hmm. and they they work like this you pay an upfront fee and it's pretty substantial okay so it can often be between two and six hundred thousand dollars up front ouch yeah. yeah just to get in yeah um, and there's also a monthly fee that includes things like maintenance utilities activities and maybe even a meal or two per day uh, the monthly fee ranges typically like say from two thousand to six thousand dollars a month so think of it as a rule of thumb it comes out to about one percent per month of the entrance fee right oh,
0: right. gotcha yeah
1: So if it's five hundred thousand dollars as an entrance fee, it might be five thousand dollars per month as a as a maintenance fee. So not inexpensive, right? Right. Uh, If you're active and healthy, you live in the independent area with activities, recreation, exercise facilities, lots of socialization, and trips and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're ill you would move into the assisted living or nursing area with all the health cares provided. And the monthly fee uh, often covers all these levels of care.
0: Wow, okay, yeah. So uh,
1: the, you compare that to a standalone facility like assisted living or a nursing home that can charge between $6,000 and $12,000 a month. So these continuing care type communities, Mark, mm-hmm. you can think of these places as kind of a combination lifestyle healthcare community combined with an insurance policy.
0: I mean, on the one hand, it sounds pretty interesting, but I mean, you're paying a few hundred thousand dollars up front and a few thousand dollars per month to live there. What if you don't like it? I mean, that's like the first thing I was thinking about when I was reading through this, you know, or even just pass away or decide, you know, it's not for me and I want to move out. Uh, Do you get any of that
1: money back? Well, and you know, that's a, a good question. That, <laughs> that question is one of the first questions that come up with clients. Right. The answer is definitely maybe. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So yeah, what other answer could there be? Exactly. Um. So there are various refund policies. Mm-hmm. You know, typically there's a declining or a partial refund policy. If you pay more upfront, you might get 50% or 90% of your money back if you move out or pass away. But often you need to look really closely at the fine print of the contract because the community may need to sell your unit first before they give you any of the hmm. money back. Kind of like a condo
0: in a way a little bit. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fine print. Always important when it comes to just about anything uh, in life in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has COVID affected these communities over the past year, Don, from anything you've been hearing?
1: You know, economically, they're not in bad shape, okay, financially, mm-hmm. compared to a nursing home or assisted living facility. Right. So, if you look at the numbers, the nursing facilities really have been devastated oh, yeah. over the past year. So, only 1% of the population in the United States live in nursing homes. Hmm. Okay, So, it's like, what is that, 3 million people yeah, or so. Something like that, yeah. But there's been over a hundred and fifty thousand nursing home deaths. Yeah, it's been bad the past year just due to COVID, not including you know the other uh, normal deaths that occur in nursing facilities. Sure. So, in, in addition, the occupancy rates have dropped dramatically in the nursing facilities. It, many facilities can't even keep their staff. Uh, the Medicaid payments are really low, so consequently, many facilities are going to need to close very soon. I think. Mm-hmm. But. Contrast that with the uh, communities, the continuing care communities, since people make such a heavy financial commitment to these CCRCs, their financial condition is much better than a nursing home. Uh, and it's not at all like the financial crisis of 2008 when the stock market and the real estate market tanked, and often people couldn't sell their homes mark right yeah. and afford to move in to a continuing care community now. Often people can sell their homes for even multiple offers in a few days and often as well, their savings are higher now than they were a year ago.
0: No, that's a great point. Yeah, the market is on fire when it comes to that standpoint of houses. I mean, you just go looking uh, for something that you might be interested in or might even have and you'd be surprised at some of the numbers out there. And so that's certainly something to ponder as well. So have your clients been mostly satisfied when they are living in these communities, Uh, I guess in general or during COVID?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think for the most part, Mark, they are from the discussions I've had Mm -hmm. with them. Although, you know, it's been trying certainly with um, you know some of the quarantines that they right, have in yeah. place there. In the beginning, there was a lot of confusion for people living there from the staff right. communicating to the residents of how many residents had COVID, uh, how many staff members, how many aides, home health aides or facility aides contracted the illness. But most facilities put together a, a protocol for safety and communication pretty quickly. Hmm. Uh, but as I mentioned, the tough part in living in these communities as a healthy resident is the quarantines they put in place. So, you know, early on, you couldn't even leave your apartment mark.
0: Mm-hmm, right. I mean, the yep.
1: meals were delivered to you and you were expected to strictly, I mean, strictly shelter in place with absolutely no visitors at all. So consequently, you know, mental health, anxiety, anxiety, loneliness and and even excess alcohol consumption became a really a big issue. So you have to remember you must adhere to the rules of the community or in some cases people moved out, but they still had to pay the fees when they weren't living there.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not my mom. My mom doesn't live in one of those, but she lives in a senior apartment building only. It's only for folks that are 65 and up uh and you know can be on on their own and so same kind of thing with the quarantines you know she was in her apartment but not allowed to go out to the community room and really just you know that kind of thing Mm so yeah definitely can and she would get very frustrated at just the lack of being able to see people and so on and so forth so certainly understandable uh so after this year any suggestions that you might have for people that may be considering one of these places
1: as always, I have a list of things for clients when they're looking at this to consider, mm-hmm. you know, even pre-COVID. But certainly the past year has opened my eyes to some additional things to, to think about and consider. But the usual things that, that I mention are, uh, one, explore all of the alternatives out there. Uh, you know, Some communities are being developed, Mark, that are rental only communities with no big upfront fees okay okay which is nice you have yeah. flexibility right? right exactly so you're not laying down five or six hundred thousand dollars you still have a big monthly fee right you know I've seen more of these types of rental only communities on the west coast of the United States not too much here on the East Coast right um, the second point I would bring up is Look closely at the options inside of the continuing care community. So the reason I say that is if you already have a long-term care insurance policy, you have more options up front and can often save a lot of money. Great points. So instead of needing to pay, let's say, $600,000 and $6,000 a month for the full care option, right? maybe you can pay... Four hundred thousand dollars, let's say, and four thousand dollars per month, and agree to pay for the long-term care with your own insurance policy. You know, and remember what I said earlier: these places are lifestyle health communities combined with an insurance policy. If you already have the insurance policy privately, why pay twice, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: In addition, you know what else people don't think about: if you don't like the community, you can move out with your policy and find a better place. There you go. Right? Mm-hmm. And you, know, you have to look closely at what the refund policy right. is. <laughs> right back to that point, yeah. Right back to that point, but still you have that flexibility from a health care standpoint. The other point as always, and even more so now, you really have to assess the financial health of the community. This came up about 10-12 years ago during the financial crisis mark, where right. some of these places were failing always ask for an annual financial report and that should be very easy to get if it's a for-profit community and it's a public company mm-hmm. uh, but if not there's a special irs form that they have to fill out maybe we'll throw a link up for that okay sure uh, that the, if it's a nonprofit or private um, community look at the occupancy rates Right? Uh, waiting lists are a good sign. Exactly.
0: It always goes a long
1: way to say it. Absolutely. It's mm, like a restaurant. Right. Long waiting list. You know it's a good restaurant typically, uh, particularly if it's not Saturday night. Right. How long has the facility been in operation? Right? Are they new? Have they been operating for many, many years? Some of these places are, you know, have been out there for, as I mentioned, 20 years or more. Are they part of a bigger group? Are they a standalone unit? Some of them are part of larger networks. But I think always have your CPA or a financial advisor review the proposal, right? The proposal is like all the different options, as well as the annual report. And more than that, just talk to the residents that live there, right? What do they like? What don't they like, right? Don't be afraid to ask people. And one thing that's pretty cool, Mark, over the past year that they've developed with these places is take a virtual tour of the facility. You know, yeah. Many so many of,
0: places are doing that now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take the virtual tour. And that's a big thing now over the past year. And also you can Google map it, right? And look, is it close to an airport, close to culture, things you like to do? So often you can knock off a review of a bunch of places without having to take a long drive or or fly somewhere distant. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: a great point. These are really good suggestions of things to ponder if you're considering that. And I read the average age on these uh, CCRCs. Uh, Don is around eighty uh, the, for the residents, and of course, they start accepting people sooner than that—sixty, 65, that type of thing. So, if you move in at age seventy-five, you know you might be looking at ten years or so of living there.
1: Yeah, you know that's a really a great point, Mark. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Most people, I find, when they're looking at these places and kind of considering how long they might live there. Right. They vastly underestimate their life expectancy. You know, underestimate, not overestimate. So the average age of a person born today is about 80 years old, right? Okay. You know, the average life expectancy of a man at 65 now is about age 83.
0: Yeah, so if you make it a sixty-five, you got a pretty—it's a pretty good chance too. They say that you'll make it to another twenty years or something like that. So eighty-three sounds about right. Right, and for a, a
1: woman, it's about eighty-seven. So twenty years—you're right on the mark mm-hmm. for for average. Here's what people get wrong. Okay, and I noticed this several years ago when clients I met. This is going back twenty twenty-five years ago. Mm-hmm. I met when they were seventy, were living well into their nineties, and here's my observation. There's an adjustment that needs to be made in estimating your life expectancy, considering factors like your lifestyle, your activity level, diet, your wealth, believe it or not, your asset level, your mental well-being, and of course, your family history. You know, People that manage their weight, stay active, don't smoke, they don't drink heavily, and they're socially engaged, they can often add five or more years to their life expectancy. So if you're an active, healthy 75-year-old, Mark, you know figure age maybe 90 or more. And when we do planning, we typically look at age 95 or 100 when we factor in planning.
0: Now, those are all great points. And again, you mentioned, you know, Don, talking about some of these things with an advisor, with a CPA, going through some questions you may have. And of course, that's some of the stuff that you do. Obviously, you're a CPA and a CFP. So if you've got some questions, folks, don't forget, you can reach out and have a 15-minute conversation with Don. Give him a jingle, 800-664-1183. That's how you can call him, 800-664-1183. You can stop by the main website, which is donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com if you've got some questions that you'd like to bounce off of, relating to this topic or really any other, really, uh, when it comes to planning for retirement. Uh, Anything else, Don, to close this out on this particular subject before we move on?
1: Yeah, you know, one other thing that comes to mind, Mark, and this is something that's relatively, uh, I think, new in terms of a concept that people are diving into uh, more seriously. Mm -hmm. One alternative to consider, aside from moving into a continuing care community, is renovating your home or purchasing a home with what they call a multi-generational living space. You know, many times in the past they were referred to as, as mother-daughter homes, right? You've heard of that term? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's not right for everyone. I mean, the complications arise if there are <laughs> personality conflicts, right, yeah. which is a big deal. Or really, uh, unless the healthcare need is just too much. Yeah, yeah. Right? If it's too intense. And we went through this in my family with someone, uh, you know, who wanted to take care of dad, and it was just too too much to handle physically. But, you know, with technology, like medical alert systems, sensors, telehealth, I think this type of housing has, has a real exciting future. I have seen it work.
0: Yeah, and I started chuckling whenever you were getting there because I was thinking about my own, uh, my mother. Like I said, she's 80 and she's on her own, but, you know, I I help her out quite often. But my sister's always saying, you should come stay with me. And my mom's like, no. (laughs) So, so, yeah, there's definitely those situations in families. uh, So, yeah, but it can work. Absolutely. And we have seen that. Uh, more and more. So anyway, that was our main topic this week. Hopefully you folks enjoyed that. Again, if you've got some questions, feel free to talk to Don uh, about these and definitely talk with an advisor or uh, a professional when it comes to anything, when you're trying to dive into something from a financial or retirement standpoint. But let's move on to our question of the week as we start to wrap up the podcast on uh, a little cash connection. We haven't done one of these in a while, actually. So we'll take an email question from Mary uh, in Red Bank. And she says, Don, I'm 59 years old. My husband died four years ago when we were both 55. We raised three kids together. He was the primary income earner for most of our marriage, and I'm currently engaged to get remarried. Now, we're not exactly sure when, but here's my question. I was told that I could collect Social Security at age 60 based on my former husband's work record. Is this true? Because I thought I had to
1: wait till I was 62. Well, I'll tell you what, this is a great Question: I just encountered this kind of a situation not that long ago, and it does come up from time to time. Mm-hmm. First of all, Mary, I'm so sorry that you lost your husband at such a, a young age, but I do congratulate you on your pending marriage. It's certainly a big move, uh, and and actually, you have one more big decision to make here. Actually, you can start collecting a widow' Social Security benefit at age 60. Oh OK.. yeah, okay. But only if you do not remarry before age 60. huh? So I know it's a crazy rule, but if you can, you may want to wait until you turn 60. Apply for your social security on your prior deceased husband's work record. That's the widow's benefit. Mm-hmm. Then get married at, after that point. So the marriage after age 60 will not affect your widow's benefit believe it or not so you'll get here's the number mark it's crazy 71.5 percent of the full <laughs> retirement benefit yeah. i know it's a weird number but yeah. that's social security for you for, for the prior spouse right yeah. correct yeah of the prior spouse mm-hmm. so you know if we do the math i'll just calculate it here it might be on a twenty five hundred dollar Primary Social Security benefit about seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars per month. Gotcha. Okay. So in this case, waiting a few months could net an extra twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Really. Between age sixty and sixty-two, and get this, Mark. Then at that point, Mary can collect benefits on the work record of her new husband. So Mary, listen to Wait. that. Yeah you have to be married at least uh, a year. Okay. That's the rule. And of course, it depends on whose work record is larger. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But at 62, you can collect, you need to be married at least one year, as I mentioned, to be able to collect on a spousal record. If you waited to age 67, that's Mary's full retirement age. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm, you know, I'm assuming now she's was born after 1960. Right. Um, you'll get more benefit than starting at age 62. Uh, and you need to be married at least two years if you're uh, divorced to get that spousal benefit. So just think, Larry King was married <laughs> seven times before he passed away last year. We talked right. about this, I think. Yeah, That's potentially seven spousal benefits on one single wow. work record.
0: I mean, yeah, Social Security, boy, it's a lot of interesting little things in there. So Yeah. I mean, Miss Mary, I guess maybe it's something to certainly ponder, right? If you want to push back your new wedding just a little bit, because she says she's 59, so we're not sure when she's turning 60. Uh, It might not be that long and she might be able to, I guess, proverbially double dip, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Get the prior husband and uh, and then get the new one after a year. So very interesting stuff indeed. Mary, thank you so much for the question. Definitely would encourage you to have a conversation more specifically with Don, you know, one-on-one, reach out to him, 800-664-1183. Uh, since there's definitely is some nuance there, 800-664-1183. And thanks for listening to the podcast. We certainly appreciate it. All right, let's do one more thing before we go, Don, uh, a little getting to know you. You mentioned that you won a raffle of $1,800. dollars uh, We, i am just been waiting to know,
1: and I'm sure some of our listeners are, what'd you do with the money? You know, Mark, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think I told you on the last show that we were renovating our master bathroom shower. Right. Right. And I'm thinking this would be a perfect use for that money. But then you had the car, the car thing though, right? Well, let me tell you what happened. Okay, good. So we had, uh, the master bathroom all planned and they're done with it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But we had to, we have to order a door, a sliding, a glass door. Mm -hmm. And that's a custom thing. They have to measure everything up and, and order. It takes a few weeks. Right. And the contractor told me that, uh, that would be, believe it or not, two thousand dollars for a door. Yeah, it's not surprising. <laughs> Ten times more than I spent on my first car.
0: Yeah, I mean, go buy a, go buy a two by four at Lowe's, and you'll see what's going on in the construction world. Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, the winning for the raffle was about eighteen hundred dollars. Okay, right. This would be a perfect use for it, right? Yeah, exactly. Just about. Actually, it turned out, by the way, the shower door was more like twenty eight hundred dollars. Oh, so, of course. Well, these extras and treatments you put on it so it doesn't show uh, water stains and it, it, it was more than we thought but then as I mentioned there was a scratch on my wife's car I noticed right I remember like that the yeah. day after I won that $1,800 it actually it was like $1,830 that okay. was the amount done mm-hmm. so we got the car fixed I got it back yesterday And the bill was exactly $1,800. Murphy's Law. So I got 30 bucks left over for either lunch or put it toward the shower door. There you go. Man, that's hilarious. You
0: know, Murphy's Law, right? You know, anything that can will happen a lot of times. So. Interesting, interesting stuff. Well, good show, Don. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. Uh, Good luck with the shower door, and thanks for sharing some good information as always on the show. Appreciate it. Folks, again, if you've got questions or concerns, reach out to Don. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you want to catch new episodes as they come out or you want to listen to past episodes, you can find all of it at Don Cash Podcast com. That's doncashpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, whatever kind of platform you like to use. You can type in your money and your life in the search box of any of those apps or, again, as I mentioned, find it all at doncashpodcast.com and subscribe that way. Thanks for hanging out with us on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. We will see you next time here on the program. Be well, Mark. You too, Don. We'll see you later, bud. Have a good week. And, folks, stay safe and sane. We'll catch you next time here on Your Money and Your Life. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.